Hi, everyone. <laughs> I am super excited that I get to come visit and get to come do this this morning. I know that I am in a company of people that loves Jesus. So thank you guys. If you haven't heard me speak last year or you don't know me, um, like Dad said, I went to the International House of Prayer, not the pancakes one, um, and did their Bible school. I actually, first of all, did an internship, which is kind of where I'm going to start my story this morning. Hopefully, it will encourage you in your walk with the Lord and open up a new place for you to encounter him. So like I said, um, went and did that internship. And at that house of prayer, it's 24-7 prayer and worship going all the time for the last 20 years. And our job as interns was just to be in the prayer room for, from 6 to midnight every day and just kind of staff the prayer room, but also just be with the Lord and get to know him. Um, and I made some really amazing friends. I learned a lot. It was amazing. I came home from that internship in January of 2019, and I was super on fire for the Lord. I was very tender, very in love with Jesus. Um, but as soon as I came home, I suddenly didn't have the prayer room. I didn't have my close friends that I'd been running with. I didn't have the accountability that I had had to be in prayer and to read my Bible. And I didn't really stay in that place where I had been. I didn't give as much time to prayer and reading the word. 2019 was kind of hard um, for a lot of different reasons. There was a lot of stuff that happened. And by the end of that year, I was, I was really kind of done. And I wanted out. And I was not in love with the Lord anymore. But I was in this weird place of I had tasted enough of the Lord to know that nothing else would satisfy me. But I was angry and bitter, and I didn't want him. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else has been there, but it's not really a fun place to be. I, my life was ruined when I did that internship for anything else but being with him. But I still, I still wanted to run because it was hard and it was painful. And I found myself one night in my bedroom in like November of that year uh, reading Genesis 32. And it says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man, man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When he saw that he had not overcome him, he struck the socket of his hip so that he dislocated the socket of Jacob's hip when he wrestled him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn has broken. But Jacob said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And then he said to him, What is your name? Or, sorry, then he said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but rather Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and you have overcome. And then the passage ends by saying that Jacob left the encounter limping because of his midnight wrestle with the Lord. And I was just in my bedroom, already in tears at the first sentence of that passage, um, where it says Jacob was left all alone, because I just, I felt so alone. I felt like the rug had been ripped out from underneath me, and I just, I felt like I was wrestling God, and I was saying, I don't want you, but you won't leave me alone. <laughs> 
Um, but reading through that passage, I knew the Lord was telling me that it was okay to wrestle him and that he actually wanted to wrestle me and that he was willing to wrestle me all night long and that he wasn't afraid because he knew he could win. And all he was asking was that I stayed in the fight and that I didn't fall asleep. And I knew even then that that was my first step back towards surrender. At some point in that fall, I decided to go back to IHOP. I knew that was where I had been at peace. That was where I had been in love with Jesus. And I just decided that was the place to go back to since I couldn't get myself out of this Christianity thing. So a lot of you know the next part of the story. My family drove me back out there um, at Christmas time, and the first day in Kansas City, I snapped my leg and my ankle in half. And it was quite a surprise. <laughs> Went ice skating for the first time and apparently was not very good at it. Thank you to all of you for your prayers and letters and cards during that time. That was really special. I really appreciate that. So I was back in Kansas City, which was kind of still a fairly new city for me, and nothing had worked out. Housing had fallen through. All my friends had moved away that I had known from my internship. So I had nowhere to live, no friends, no money, no job. And then I couldn't walk or drive because it was my right leg, so I couldn't go to school. Um, it was a tense couple of weeks getting surgery, moving into my grandparents' basement, and figuring out school online. And truly, I would not say this about anybody's illness or injury, but for me, I just knew from the very beginning that it was too perfect to not be God. I was living in my grandparents' basement, and as much as I love them, and I'm so grateful for the time I got with them, I felt even more alone than I had before. Um, Jesus had touched my leg, and I could not walk. And I knew that I had just stepped into that Jacob 32. And even at the time, though lots of emotions would have been valid, I was not upset with the Lord. I was very sobered and in awe of the fact that he took my life seriously enough um, to stop me and to pull me away into this basement where I literally couldn't get away from him and that he loved me enough to interrupt my life in such a drastic way. Without really knowing much of what was going on in my heart, I think, I don't know, Dad gave me Hosea 2, 14 through 16, and it says, Therefore, behold, I will lure her, I will bring her into the wilderness and speak to her heart. I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer my master. And that passage just really confirmed and actually put words to what I felt like the Lord was bringing me into, even though I felt a little more like I had been dragged out into the wilderness than a Lord. Um, I still thought it was beautiful poetry. But I really wrestled him hard through that whole season. Um, I still fought because a big part of my heart still didn't want to be there and still didn't want to do it. At the same time, though, it was a really sweet season with Jesus. I began spending a lot of time at his feet, 
uh, I began to have a lot of encounters at the foot of the cross. That was just where I would place myself. Every time I spent time with him, I would just get on my knees and I would picture the cross before me and I would put my face in the dirt and I would kiss his feet. And I would ask him to wash me in the blood and the water. And I would put all my sin there. And even though it was really hard, it was really beautiful. Um, and I really began to experience the kindness of the Lord leading me to repentance. I began to see him really as a lovesick, jealous God. He was revealing his heart to me in order to bring me into relationship with him. Through that time, I was also doing Bible classes online and through those and spending time with him, I really began to receive revelation of Jesus as the bridegroom. And learning Jesus's heart towards us as his bride really changed everything for me. Uh, when I learned that God's core desire was simply to be with me and to be loved by me, my whole perspective and my whole life changed. You know, it's those things you can hear all your life, but until you know it in your heart, um, that's when it changes. And I just began studying Jesus' prayer in John 17 of where he asked the Father to give us to him because he just wants us to be with him. And these revelations and understanding of the bridegroom and his love for us really are what began drawing me to the foot of the cross and softening my heart. I began to see myself rightly and to see him rightly um, and I began to see him first and foremost as a bridegroom. And although I love the reality of him being king and judge, and I want to grow in those revelations too, it was really the revelation of the bridegroom that invited me to draw near at his feet. Because nobody curls up in comfort at the feet of a judge, and only subjects and slaves come and bow before the feet of a king but a lover and a friend gets to approach with confidence, knowing they can lie down in safety at the feet of the one who loves them. So fast forward to almost a year later, I was about a week away from graduating Bible college out of IHOP, and I was uh, receiving prayer one night at church. And I just, I was standing there up front and just had my eyes closed. There were some people standing behind me just quietly praying, no one had said anything out loud, and I just closed my eyes and I pictured myself before the cross like I had been for the last year and a half, and I, I saw myself laying down on my side at the foot of the cross, and I went, oh, I pictured that wrong. I'm always kneeling, I've never laid down. And my friend who had her hand on my shoulder pipes up from behind me, Freedom, I know this, it sounds a little strange, but I just see you laying down on your side at the foot of the cross. And I was like, okay, well, that must have been the Lord because that's just what I saw too. Um, and so I went home that night and I just closed my bedroom door and I laid down on the floor on my side. I was like, well, just try this. And I pictured the cross before me and I was laying down on my side and it just immediately, I heard Jesus tell me, only a friend would lay down here only a friend would lay down in this dangerous place of weakness, vulnerability, and pain. I would only ask a friend to come here, and only a friend would say yes. 
And I could just hardly believe how he had brought me from wanting to run and wanting to say no to a place where I was laying down at the foot of the cross in surrender and in friendship. I've heard a lot of people say that Jesus is their best friend, but what I've realized is way more important is whether Jesus counts us as his friend. Does he count me as a close friend? I share my burdens with him in prayer all the time, but does he get to share the burdens of his heart with me? He wants to, and he wants to invite me into those burdens through intercession. Being Jesus' friend is not about being the most holy or the most perfect. Far from that, if anybody remembers Peter. It's about joining him in his suffering. Even as I fall more in love with Jesus, the idea of completely surrendering still terrifies me. Um, Even a couple of years ago when I was completely wanting out, it wasn't a you-can't-tell-me-what-to-do type of attitude towards God. It was just a you're asking for everything, and I don't know how to give that. It's too much. (laughs) Heidi Baker says he's he's not asking for a lot, but he's asking for everything. And I have not arrived. A part of me is still wrestling. A few weeks ago, Dad had asked me if I had anything to share while I was back. And I was ready to tell him no. I had a lot going on, and I didn't feel like I had any time to prepare anything. But I was like, well, I guess I'll just ask the Lord before I tell him no. Um, And so I was getting ready one morning, and I just said, Lord, if you had one thing that you wanted to share with New Song Community Church that I could share, what would it be? And I was, I had some worship music playing while I was getting ready, and it was this song on the altar by Upper Room, Upper Room in Dallas, if you know them. And I immediately forgot that I'd been talking to the Lord, and this is because this lyric of the song caught my attention. Um, It says, I want to be a laid-down lover all my life. And I just went, what does that mean? That's a very interesting lyric. I just punched it into Google, thought I'd see what the internet had to say. And it immediately came up with John John 15, 13. No one has greater love than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I was just immediately in tears on the bathroom floor, (laughs) hearing from the Lord again that I was being asked to surrender as a friend Jesus calls us to sacrifice our lives, not as subjects and slaves, but as friends. And yes, every knee will bow, but he's asking for our hearts and our whole lives to bow, not just our knees, and we can only do that and give that to him as friends. Slaves and servants bow, but lovers and friends lay down. Total submission to something is scary, and no one knows that more deeply than Jesus. He woos us close to him, asking us to join him in his submission to the Father's will, asking us to join him in his death. He woos us until we are resting and laying beneath the shade of his cross. And Jesus' friendship is not one-sided. He was the first one to lay down his life. He comes to be with us in our pain. When Lazarus died, Jesus came to Mary And John 11 says that when he saw her weeping, 
he was deeply troubled, and himself, he was agitated in his spirit, and he wept. Jesus came to earth, and he wept with us. Corey Russell calls him the weeping God. And recently I came to another question of Jesus has resurrected and he's no longer on the cross. So why is he asking us to join in his suffering and to stay at the foot of the cross? And it's because we have to join him in his death in order to know his resurrection. We have not resurrected yet and we won't until his return. And he doesn't mean don't get up and live lives in resurrection power. But Galatians 5 says to crucify our flesh and walk in the spirit. So it's both together. And it was from Jesus's place of pain and deep agitation at Lazarus's death that the resurrection power came from. But this life is our crucifixion, it's our sacrifice, and it's our death. Romans 12.1 says, present yourselves a living sacrifice. We can come daily to the cross of Jesus and join him as living sacrifices in our pain and our vulnerability and our weakness. And he calls us friend. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. It is the most beautiful thing, and it will be the most beautiful climax to the most beautiful love story when the bride says, let me be crucified and let me die with the one that I love. Recently, I've been learning the painful lesson that I can't get up from the altar and that I can't stop wrestling and that I can't leave the desert or I walk away from him. The Lord has brought me back to that Hosea 2 passage where he says, I will bring her to the wilderness and give her her vineyards from there. I'm just blown away um, by the God who makes the desert his watering place, and who makes the wilderness his meeting place. And that is his place of abundance and fulfillment. I'm so very grateful I will not be walking with a limp for the rest of my life like Jacob but I do have a very nice long scar on the side of my leg, and I truly am grateful for it. I see it, and every time I'm reminded of his jealous love for me. I want to encourage you, if you are still in the wrestle, that's an okay place to be. God likes to wrestle, and he's not wrestling in any fear or anger, and you don't have to worry because he will win. Just don't fall asleep. And if you're in the desert, just don't leave. That's where he likes to plant people. And I'm inviting you, and Jesus is inviting you to come lay down at the foot of the cross, to lay all your burdens there, and to join him in his suffering, to share the burdens of his heart, to know him as the bridegroom, and to surrender to him in friendship as his lovesick bride. Jesus, we just come to you we lay down at the foot of your cross we say thank you thank you for your blood and water we ask you to wash us 
and we thank you that we get to come wash your feet with our tears. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die. Spirit, help us to enter into Jesus' suffering with him. We just say that we love you and we honor you. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for your blood. In Jesus' name.